0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Raising Unicorns by Harmon Brothers, and in today's episode, we give you some fast and dirty advice for creating approachable video ads that will actually get your business results.
1: Growing up, I was told unicorns weren't real. Well, you know what else isn't real? Jennifer Gardner's perfect, ageless face. But that doesn't stop us from wanting the exact same thing for ourselves. So on Raising Unicorns, we talk about the strategies and tactics we use to help grow companies from hundreds of thousands of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars and even a few unicorns along the way.
0: Shane, I've got a couple of questions for you, mainly around the type of video marketing content that you need. Mm. First of all, at a high level, the main video ad types.
1: There's a ton. Like we did a whole course on this for you, listeners. We did a harm Brothers University course. Where we're teaching people all these different ad types. We identified 15 main ad types that we taught people that we thought were really effective. And then there's other ones that we have on top of that that are traditional offerings. That are more of our big scale hero face to camera pitch person. On top of that, there's tons of different ad types. When we were building an HBU course called Easy Ads itself, we identified 15 kind of really easy format style ads that we formulated and put into like an easy to follow one, two, three step kind of thing format for our HBU students. The major like categories as I see them are like three big categories. One, you've got your really, really low cost, super simple, creative, can even be like a still image or like a text image only where it's just like copy a subtle image and that's it. That's like a big one we're seeing right now. And so our listeners can do that themselves. Oh. Some of that themselves. Super, super easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just takes a little bit of effort, the actual like copywriting and testing to make sure you get the right one. And then I think the second one are like more like video ads that are in that category of the easy ads that sell that we, we built where it's like really small, simple, video ads that still have a little bit more production to them. They still have demonstration to them. They still have some component of the product in there. And then I think the third one is like I would put in the branding category or a branded conversion category where it's more a big spectacle. You're really building people's perceptions of the brand. That's kind of the three buckets. And within those buckets, there's different ranges of scale and size and complexity. But those are the three like major buckets, I'd say, of the different ad types that we deal with at harm Brothers.
0: And what kind of evolution have you seen in that? Certainly, if we look back on 2022, there's been a lot of shakeup in the ad market. But what have you seen over the past, say, three to five years in terms of evolution of ads?
1: I think the biggest evolution that we've seen is just the uh, number of assets that are required to win for a marketing strategy. And when I say that, is like back in like twenty, you know, 17, 2018, 2019, in that era, the way Facebook worked and the way that like social media consumption functioned with people's like attention on social media, people would watch the whole two and a half, three minute piece of content and convince them to buy right then and there. But because of like things like Instagram and TikTok and like Instagram Reels and, and now YouTube shorts, where it's this really fast, I like to call it like tissue paper content, where it's just... (laughs) throwing it away like it's tissue. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It's funny because if your two, three minute video is only got like one or two intros to it and they determine on that first half second of determining whether your content's relevant and they scroll by it once and scroll by it a second time, like the chances are going to be like, maybe this third time I'll watch this two minute ad. It's like, no man, you've already lost them. So what we've seen is just having lots of diversified content of different types and diversified imagery or even different intros has been a huge thing in the market where that first two seconds, it's really like first second honestly is really important for having it feel different or having them like, I haven't seen this before. Even if they've seen your product before, it's really critical to like show the product in a different way or show a different image associated with the product. That's what I say is the biggest shift that we've seen over the last like two three years or that the number of pieces of content required and the diversity and like visual aesthetic is really critical
0: can you pinpoint which content is the most effective now or is it kind of a broad range <clears throat> and just lots of
1: it yeah I say it's a broad range and it's very dependent on the product right depending on what your price point is depending on who your market is like, I think some pieces of content do better so let me give you an example like skull shaver is one of our clients that has a pretty premium product right it's a hundred to 150 dollars shaver depending on which model and, and if it's on sale or not. 150 bucks is like getting up there where you're you know competing with like Norelco, right? For their content, they still have a wide swath of things. They had some more premium, more longer form ads that performed really, really well, as well as a lot of UGC stuff specifically because people want to know on a higher price point product if it's worth it, if they're investing in it. So they had a bunch of UGC content that's in there. And I think UGC is incredibly powerful for any product, but I think it's more important for some of those higher ticket dollar, anything over 100, it takes a little bit more convincing. It's not in that 50 and under compulsory, like, oh, I'm going to buy this thing because it looks cool and I don't need someone to convince me with a retargeting ad. It very much so depends on that product and what type of persuasion is needed. There's different types of ads too that work really well. Like one of the ads that we have in our in our Easy Ads It Sells an unboxing video. If you have a killer package that's like just so sexy as can be and it has like cool components to it and like the unboxing is of itself as part of the product experience like lean into that because we've seen like unboxing videos that do fantastic this isn't a problem I'm just saying but if you just throw your crap in a cardboard box with some of that like you know kind of a cardboard confetti don't do an unboxing video <laughs> probably but yeah I think it just depends on what your strengths are as a product and what price point you're at I do think across the board I'd say lots of content is better it's just identifying what types of those pieces of content work best for your product and user experience to lean into those ones. If you're on Instagram and you got Instagram Reels, you're just people basically doing like TikTok-style content. Like that's not a big deal to like see someone who has more TikTok-style content on there, this lower quality phone quality. Say you're going to like programmatic TV or CTV, I would never recommend that for a client. You're in the middle of watching something on Hulu. You know, you're in the middle of watching something that looks, has a really high production quality and the commercial interruptions you're like getting are like higher polished quality pieces of content. And I think that that introduces a risk where people are like, uh, Uh, I'm not really sure on this one, you know? Like, this doesn't fit. I don't think that bodes well for the brand if they're paying to be on that platform and like, oh, these guys are kind (laughs) of (laughs) janky.
0: So you've talked about different styles of video. How does the stage of business influence the style of video?
1: I think like early on, you got to remember, when you come out, if you're like a small even a mid-sized company, let's say you're like five to 10 million in revenue. If you're five to 10 million in revenue and your crop product costs $100, like very, a small fractional amount of the country has consumed or heard of your product. So I think that like what I would focus in is most like super high education at that early stage where it's really, really straightforward. You're just trying to show what, does your product do? Like, why should people care about it? Especially those early, early stage people. They just need to know that you exist and they need to know what your product does. Early stage is definitely like really, really important to get that out there. And as, I think as you go more into like later stages where you're growing as a company and your audience kind of understands who you are or maybe where you sit compared to the marketplace of other options out there, like that's when I think you want to bring in more differentiation in terms of creative differentiation, brand voice, and cleverness. Like, say you're like a kind of a red Ocean product, but there's a lot of other competitors out there, you might have a minor differentiation performing the same utility for people. Like that's when you really want to lean into creativity. You want to lean into like cleverness, get people's attention. Because if all things are being equal in terms of products, if your marketing is a little bit better, if your ads catch their attention a little bit better, if you're more clever with how you present the value of your product, you'll get more sales than they will like every single time. (laughs) And then as you get more obviously bigger and bigger companies that are later staged and more aware, you can lean a little bit more into brand. Building. You can lean more into the big spectacle that's like memorable. Like it's basically for brand recall. Like Kodiak Cakes is a good example. Like their household market penetration is really, really high across the whole country. Their awareness is really, really high. They're in every single big box retailer store. Even if people haven't purchased a product, people are aware of them and they've seen their packaging. So they're very much so looking in for like reminders of like getting people to have top of mind. So when they walk into the store, they'll purchase it or do a first-time trial of it. That's what they're doing. So I think it's very much so depends on how much a awareness you have in the marketplace will dictate what type of content you're doing.
0: So in what circumstances is it best for the client to create content themselves versus hire an agency? Because I think there's some situations where doing it yourself is almost more powerful than hiring a big agency to do it. The
1: big thing that like agencies can do well and I think the thing that I see Harm brothers do well for people is decode the message and asking some tough questions that often the entrepreneurs haven't been able to ask themselves because they're too close to it and they can identify maybe a different paradigm of how they look at it or how they view the product and kind of open it up into a new realm that they were like uh, closed off to before. You know, that we often see that though our messages change, like with Squatty Buddy, right? They were marketing it in the early days as, oh, it's a medical device. It's for people that have like bowel problems. It's for people who have colon cancer because it's more healthy for your, can- your colon when you're like, you're, you know, going through cancer treatments to do use this thing. Or like people who struggle with constipation. And then like the team was testing the product out and they're like, does anyone else just noticed this is like way better to poop with? <laughs> like and they're like, Yeah, it's way better, you know? And so they market it as like it's just a better way to poop in general, right? And it makes it, it takes less time. It's just easier, more comfortable. And so that was like a wholly novel thing to them. That was like mind blowing to them. So I think that's like one thing that agencies can be really good at is getting a fresh perspective and thinking about how could this appeal to mass audiences and getting a message that works for a broader swath of people than they might have previously assumed. But on the flip side, I feel like rapid iteration of content and testing out messaging, like oftentimes you can do a lot of that in-house if you have like a good structure and a good framework of how you're testing it and measuring. It's just different, right? Like different types of content and different creative swings one of the things that is a huge advantage for going in-house is usually just like rapid iteration, like rapid prototyping can be done really, really quickly in-house. And I think that's like a big advantage. Kurt, you're on sales calls all the time. Kurt's our chief revenue officer of the company. So he's always talking to people coming to us, like wanting to work with us. And I'd say, and maybe you can speak to this, but like whenever I'm on biz dev calls, a thing I hear a lot is we're looking to do something different. We want a different perspective. Like we feel like we've nail Even it. if they have a good team. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. I, I almost say it's almost never like our team sucks or like we don't have the right people. They're like, they're good at what they've done thus far. But they're, they're like, we want an outside perspective.
0: Yeah, I think we do hear that a lot. I think internal teams are kind of going with the flow and they want someone to provide a much different perspective. And Mm -hmm. that's what an agency can do. The challenge is, though, Shane, how do you find a good agency? There are thousands, maybe tens of thousands of agencies. A lot of them are good. Some aren't so good. What are some of the questions that our listeners could ask to find that agency that best fits with their personality?
1: If I were a small business owner and I was like going out and courting an agency, I would want to know their creative process. Like, what do you do? What do you guys do to understand my product? What do you do to good deep dive and like, understand my consumer. Do you guys just take the product, take it at first glance and like give it to like, your writing team and then just go for it? Because I feel like if that was the case, like there's going to be a disconnect in the creative to the actual end consumer if they're not doing a deep dive. If they're doing a deep dive and they're really getting the research done, they're like wanting to like interview customers, data mine your reviews on Amazon or your website, understand a, like what motivates a consumer to like your product, to buy your product, to recommend it to other people, and, like what makes it really tick for them, what value does it drive for them. Them. That's a huge part of I think what's made us successful at Harmon Brothers just really understanding that going through the user method with each individual product and really getting what makes it great. I think we've been told that time and time again. It's like, oh, you gave us a perspective that was like that resonated with customers, you know, that really like spoke to the customer in a way that resonated with them and motivated them to purchase.
0: We've been very successful as an agency, but we've made some mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples of us making a mistake and then realizing that and correcting that and can you maybe walk through the process so our listeners can maybe take that also back either to their agency or take that back to their internal team and kind of help them iterate in solving those problems?
1: Yeah, I'd say like the the biggest thing is sometimes I feel like our clients want to make content that they're not at the right stage for. Like I said, we're known for our very much so branded conversion ads, which are things that are very high polished, that look really cool, that have novel, sticky concepts to them. And I think if people don't have a foundation of other pieces of content, in their marketing mix, I think they can kind of jump the gun a little bit. So Kurt, can you think of a situation? Kurt is, you know, he's the account manager on several accounts, like he's usually their first point of contact, and he's oftentimes at the writing retreats with our clients. And so is there an example you can think of, Kurt, where we went in and we just went in with the wrong type of content? We went in and like we just created the wrong stuff for him at first or got down the wrong path for a long ways first, and then we potentially like corrected it and got it right back on the right track. So
0: at the writer's retreats, those are almost a special time where we get a chance to meet with the clients face to face. We do a deep dive on the product. We do a deep dive on the team. We do a lot of strategy. One of the things that we found is that if we are not completely clear on the value propositions and the messages that surround those value propositions, it's difficult to create content that resonates with consumers. And so if I look back on all the writers retreats I've attended, I think the times where we've created content that is slightly off base have been those times where we are not completely clear on the messaging. And oftentimes we'll see clients come in and as we start pressing them about their value propositions and about their messaging especially with early stage companies we see that they're not completely aligned with that messaging mm-hmm. and i think this is something that our listeners can take back to their creative teams and that is really get clear on which value propositions and which messages resonate with your different consumer segments that's the foundation that's the initial foundation of your business model is what value are you providing to what consumer segment mm-hmm. and Continue to test that, continue to iterate on that. Get out of the office and test it. Make sure you're talking with your customer base often so you're getting that constant feedback. As the market changes and as your product evolves, those value propositions and the messages that resonate with your consumer will also change.
1: There's another example that comes to mind when we did a campaign for Zero Res. The first go around we had with Zero Res, we did like a very high concept, very like imaginative or it was like a soap opera where the, the homeowner was in a, like a soap opera that was so dramatic with her carpet. A little complex in terms of the actual like messaging and, and like it was very high concept and it was very much like almost leaned into the branding of it because it was a little convoluted if you ask me like where we got to because we kind of got lost in that analogy land. But then we went back and we realized, okay, like we need to have a proof in the pudding. We need to have a litmus test type video where we're like, let's show how the product works and let's show the effectiveness of it. So we devised this test we call it the boot machine, where it was a series of shoes that were on a rotary and there was a disc that was underneath it rotating. And so all these shoes were basically like being, creating like tread marks on the carpet and we're having a machine that would like shake out dirt at the same time. And then we were smearing pudding on it and stuff and letting the shoes step on it. Sounds like an episode of Monty Python. Yeah, it was, it was very weird or like a Dr. Seuss yeah. machine. It Do- was like Dr. wild. Like, and also huge pain in the butt to clean. It was so gross. So much pudding and dirt. Uh, just the nastiest thing after it was done. But basically we built this machine so we could do a replicated test to simulate six months of wear and tear on your carpet with, you know, really heavy soiling and, and sugars and fats and stuff inside here from like food or whatever. Just a torture test for this thing to see how the different cleaners performed when we did this torture test. And we had like kind of a lab coat guy who was like showing it very concrete examples of it and then doing a side-by-side between a steam cleaner and then a chemical cleaner, like a dry chemical cleaner versus zero res. And when we did the test, kind of very much so side-by-side, we showed the test being done zero as clearly was way better at cleaning and more effective at cleaning and keeping it cleaner longer. Even as we went back and re-tortured those carpets, they stayed cleaner longer, which is one of the core value props about it is that your carpets will stay cleaner longer. That one performed exponentially better than the original piece of content. So we corrected that when we went for the next thing because it was too high concept. It was too much in the branding space where people still didn't really know who Zira is compared to like Stanley Steamer or maybe some other big name or even a local cleaner that like they hadn't gotten the nationwide awareness that they needed to, to probably make that commercial effective. So having something was a lot more straightforward, direct sales components, uh, really highly educational, was a much better fit for where they were in like their growth cycle, if that makes sense. Got it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if 2023... Is the year for our listeners to get into video. How would you suggest they start?
1: This is what we're doing a lot with our clients is we're doing a lot of stuff that's small scale and we can replicate and on a rapid basis for testing. Give yourself a lot of at bats and be okay like putting stuff out there that like and this is the thing we actually have to actively try and like Combat with our clients is like be okay throwing stuff out there that makes you a little uncomfortable from a brand perspective. Because one thing that's an advantage, I would say, is now that everything is more disposable in some sense, with like people just being willing to like rip through content, you can take a bigger at bat and totally whiff and totally miss, and it's not going to be embedded on the consciousness of the consumer of like, oh, they took a bad at bat. Right. You know what I mean? So it feels much lower stakes in many ways just because it's not like you're doing a half million or a million dollar Super Bowl commercial and showing it to like 60 million people in a single setting. And all of a sudden it's like, remember those people who did that Awful ad that was so tasteless and just really missed the mark. You'll be lucky in a week from if you totally botch it and you totally blow it. Like, say you make a terrible, like, I don't know, a Nazi joke in there that just really offends people and like you really missed the mark. Like, you'll be lucky in a week if they can even recall who it is. No, I'm not saying don't go make Nazi jokes because you probably actually will get remembered. I was just trying to pull something out of the air that was really (laughs) offensive. Like, don't go make Nazi or Holocaust jokes. It's never a good idea to make Holocaust jokes in an ad. Even if you take a big creative risk, when I say a big creative risk, you do small content that has big creative risk to it, right? whether it works or not. But I'd say don't be afraid of that. Test into stuff. Be okay to fail often and quickly because the faster you fail in your creative at-bats and attempts, the sooner you're going to get to a message and and value prop that you're hitting on that works for you. That's a big thing.
0: So don't be afraid to take risks. Remember your consumer. Keep them top of mind. Remember what your personality of the brand is. Don't violate that, but take risks. Get out there and take risks. Any final words as we wrap up 2022 and look forward to 23?
1: There's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace that people are kind of worried about right now. But I think that to me, I look at this as a huge opportunities for small businesses because the people who are, they can stick it out like in, and can win in the marketplace with having the right messaging come forward, the right advertising are going to win because those ones who don't stick it out, who don't do the tough, deep work on these things, they're going to lose and they're going to, they're not going to be able to survive in a consumer market that might not be spending as much as they did last year. You know, even if it goes down a few percentage points on some of the disposable income stuff, that's a big amount that gets cut out out of that market. But if you can stick it out and you can have the right content in front of their eyes, you're going to win and be able to stick it out through this little ton of dip that we're going to have in the economy in the next little bit. Not to be a doomsdayer.
0: No, I'm glad you brought up deep work. The people that we're talking to that are winning are doing the deep work from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. That is so important.
1: That's a big thing. And that's why I say do the work. Like, and if you're going to work with an agency, make sure they understand your consumer. Because when they don't, and they're just like, oh, we've got some fun, creative ideas that are fun. Run, for the freaking hills, man. Like, get out of there. But if they're going to say, we want to really understand your consumer, want to know what motivates them, we want to know what really drives the value of them, want to get in their brains, you should do business with those people. And if they're relentless in trying to pursue that and capture it and put it inside your ads in a way that's compelling, let's get a win for you. I love it, Shane. All right, thanks, Kurt.
0: Thanks, Keith. Let's do boop it. Boop. Tired of playing catch up on your marketing approach? Plan your whole year of ad content with our video strategy in a day. The Harmon Brothers are known for their ad work with Lumi, Purple, and Skull Shaver. And now we're offering a 20-minute video that helps you strategize your best profit-pushing ad research, messaging, and testing for free. Because a win for great businesses is a win for all of us. Go to HarmonBrothers.com forward slash video strategy to save future you a lot of stress with no pitch and nothing to buy.